0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 113. Our good friend Susan is back to tell us all about her recent cruise on Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas. I love having one of you on the podcast with me to talk about cruising, and we've got a great review of Susan's experiences on Independence of the Seas as she shares what she loved about the ship, her experiences changing staterooms, and how her high school reunion on board went. Here we go. Well, we're back this week with a listener of ours, Susan Widdowson, who's back from her back-to-back Independence of the Seas cruise. Susan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me back, Matt.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And, you know, I was really excited to hear about your experience there. We talked about uh, your previews for this cruise, in fact, back in episode 109, which I recommend if you haven't listened to this episode yet, pause, go back to 109, listen to Susan's uh, plans, as we often like to do, preview the cruise and then review the cruise. So you're back, Susan. Most importantly... How was the back to back cruise?
1: Amazing. Um, As my husband and I always say, the ship is the destination for us. And the ports come in second place, and shore excursions are third place. And keeping that in mind, the ship was amazing. Uh, We've been on the Liberty, so we've been on the same class ship. Um, It's clean, it's well maintained. Uh, this ship had the friendliest staff that we've ever encountered in our nine Royal Caribbean cruises. Uh, from the cabin attendants, the first week we had Emerson, the second week we had Savitri. Uh, waiters, there's an amazing waiter. If you go on to the Independence and do my time dining, ask for 6-2. 6, two. Uh, six Sarah, two. 6 two s S-I-X-T-O, 6-2. Six okay. A- and um, at the end of dinner, he brought out his guitar, and he serenaded us with an Elvis Presley tune.
0: Oh, wow, how nice. Uh,
1: yeah, and he said he's going on the harmony, which excites us because we're going to be going on the harmony. Um, Even the pool attendants, the, the pool deck attendants, um, Antonio... Um, Andre was an amazing young man who told us his story of why he's working on the ship. Uh, Just everybody was very friendly. Um, The second week of the cruise, we had a a large group with us. And that's the one thing they all kept saying was how friendly the crew was.
0: That's great. Well, let's talk about... Let's let's talk about a couple of basics, I guess, having done a back-to-back cruise. You mentioned earlier in the other episode that you've done these before, but what was your experience like? How seamless was the back-to-back? And talk a little bit also about maybe your switching of your staterooms and if you'd recommend that or not.
1: Okay. Um This time, it did not go as smoothly as previous times. But I think that's for two reasons. Uh, First, because we switched rooms. And the second is because we made the reservations maybe about two to three weeks apart. Uh, So usually, at the end of the first uh, week, you get invited to a consecutive cruiser meeting where they... um, update you on what's going to happen on turnaround day. Well, we never got that notice. And I kept going to the desk and she kept saying, you'll get it, you'll get it. Finally, uh, the last time I went to the desk, she says, oh, that meeting was 45 minutes ago. (laughs) Um, I had to go back again to ask them, you know, could I please have the printout with the uh, itinerary for turnaround day? for consecutive cruisers. And it took them a while to print it out, but they gave it to me. Um, The day, uh, turnaround day, uh, we went with the consecutive cruisers, and once they get you together, they start giving out your uh, CPAS cards for the second week. Well, we were the last ones to get back on the ship because three times we're like... We haven't gotten our cards yet. We haven't gotten our cards yet. Uh, But other than that, everything went fine. Our cabin attendant, when we told him uh, we were consecutive cruisers moving from his cabin up to a junior suite, he said, don't worry. Just leave your things on hangers. Pack everything else. Leave your suitcases in the room, and I'll move everything. And he did. the. By the time we got back on the ship, uh, we went to the cabin, and sure enough, everything had been moved. The cabin was ready for us, uh, and we left some things in the safe, and we went up to the pool. Wow, that's uh,
0: nice. Very convenient.
1: It is. It's it's very convenient. Uh, They were... Uh, very eager to provide that service. It's, and I just think the glitch came from the fact we switched rooms, the reservations were made several weeks apart, and it lost its connection because usually it's seamless. You you walk out, you walk in, and you're free to do what you want.
0: Absolutely. So <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about Independence of the Seas. As you mentioned at the very top of the show, you booked these cruises, Susan, because of the ship. So what about the ship did you love?
1: Um, even though it's a large ship, it never felt crowded. Uh, we were at full capacity both weeks, um, but we never felt overcrowded. Now, my husband and myself, when we're we like to go to the solarium, and when we're at the solarium, we're in the pool. So... Not getting a deck chair was no big deal for us. Uh, we just put our bag and our towels on the deck and went in the pool. Um, and that was perfectly fine for us. The activities aboard, oh my goodness, in two weeks, we couldn't even get in <laughs> everything we wanted. We needed another two weeks.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. Let's go. Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but um, – Uh, The activities were great. Uh, The ship is a beautiful ship. Uh, One of the things that I love to do on the ships is explore and look at the unusual artwork that's all over the place. So I had a great time doing that.
0: Wonderful. It sounds like it's a, I mean, Independence of the Seas is, you know, it's a beautiful ship, and, you know, often we feel the question on the podcast about it, and also Liberty of the Seas to some extent, you know, why does it kind of float under the radar from people's uh, eyes, attention at least, in terms of, you know, ships people talk about, but I'm not, I, I don't know why it's the case, but it's, a, It's everything I've heard is just really nice about this ship, and I think it's really a really a hidden gem almost, in the sense that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily think about it offhand, but It really does a great job of offering some terrific entertainment. Like you said, you spent two weeks on there and you still didn't do it all.
1: Oh, right. Right. I never even got to the art auction. I wanted to do the art auction. Never got there. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: And as I said, we had a group on the second week and I'm glad I didn't try to plan things Mm -hmm. because the only thing we got in as the whole group was picture time. We, we, just did pictures on our own and it was like herding kittens. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we're gonna meet at this time, this place. And people start arriving and they're walking, talking to each other over here and it groups over there. And it's like, come on, come on, let's get this done. We have to get to <laughs> dinner. Uh but other than that, I I didn't plan anything. And it's well, no, I did a cabin crawl. And five of us went to each other's cabins and got to see each other's cabins. Um, and that took less than an hour. But um, it, it just, everyone was doing their own thing. Hmm. Um, they, they did the miniature golf tournaments. They were watching the belly flop contest. Uh, of course, going to the shows. Um, it, that's, oh, another interesting thing about the show, the ice show. Usually when we have done back-to-backs, it's always the same ice show. But on Liberty, they have two different ice shows. They alternate weeks. So those who do a back-to-back get to see two different
0: shows. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that that was. What were the different shows? Do you remember?
1: Um the second one was strings and it had to do with a, a violin and they took the violin on a journey. And there were several different um, uh, types of music that they played. Like there was gypsy music and of course, classical music. And then uh, toward the end, it turned into be a fiddle and playing country yeah. music. Um, uh, the first one was, uh, dealt with the 60 music of the 60s 70s and 80s so they just did uh picked out some very popular songs from those eras and did some dances and uh that was really good we in fact we liked that one better than the strings uh and i think it was because of the rock music that they played but both of them were excellent we just we were so impressed they have um A pair of skaters, uh, Alex and her husband, Tim, and they're from Russia. And the two of them together are just amazing. She is just a little dynamo, can't weigh more than 80 pounds, and uh, has a smile that could light up the the universe. (laughs) Uh, And and just watching the two of them, I mean, he swings her around. where Her head's almost touching the ice. It's scary at times. But yeah. we really enjoyed the ice shows.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about maybe some of the – well, actually, I had another question about your group. You mentioned <laughs> herding cats and, and that kind yes. of mentality. If someone's coming to you and says, Susan, I, I'm planning a similar thing. I'm, gonna, I'm planning a bunch of uh, – a, a group with a cruise with a bunch of people. Uh, you know, we're going to do a group. These, maybe not – it could be family. It could be friends, whatever the case may be. What would your advice be to someone who's looking to plan something similar in the sense that you know taking a group cruise among friends and family?
1: Oh, first of all, definitely use a travel agent. A travel agent will make it very easy on you. Um, They handle all the details. They um, fill the questions. They make all the plans. Definitely use a travel agent. Um, I kept in touch with everyone through email. I would, uh, for months, I mean, we planned this back in, in may of last year so as people um joined the group um i sent out emails reminding them about things you know short excursions and packing tips um even the week before they came on i made sure to keep in touch with them so they would know what to expect and little last minute things like um This was the first time we got to port early for check in. Mm -hmm. So we were the first in the door, first through the uh, line, first up in the waiting area. It was great. And just to be there and know that, you know. I don't care if I wait in the air-conditioned area for an hour or an hour and a half. I know I'm getting on that ship. I could see it through the door. Uh, so many of our friends did that. They arrived very early and, and waited to get on the ship there rather than wait in a hotel room. And uh, that that was good for them to do that. But little things, I uh, I would email them through the week. Um most of the the people in my group were from my high school graduating class, so the first night i I said, "Does everyone want to get together?" And so just the classmates and their spouses got together and then oh. after yeah, and then after that, everyone was on their own for how they wanted to do dinner. Some couples just did it on their own every night. Um, we joined some people some nights. And then uh, I said, how about the last night? You want to do it again? And so the last night we got together as a group. And um, most of these in the group were first-time cruisers. And they were so impressed. They just loved the ship. They loved everything about it. Um, They're telling me we have to do this again. So we're talking about in a few years for our 50th reunion, doing another reunion cruise.
0: That's awesome. That's great to hear. You know, one yeah. speaking to your group, I had a, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, obviously you and I, Susan, we were we're big Royal Caribbean fans. We right. we we post on the message boards, we read all the stuff, we keep up with everything. We're, and I think we're fairly, you know, well informed. I mean, what was looking at some of your friends from high school and I'm sure you know it's, they didn't necessarily compare to yourself in terms of your knowledge of Royal Caribbean and all things like that you know, what kind of differences did you spot? I'm just curious, like, as a as a Royal Caribbean veteran, what did you notice about your friends and their experience on a Royal Caribbean cruise that was maybe different than what you expected? Or, you know, how did they behave in, in certain ma- ways in the sense of how they, like, kind of approached the cruise itself?
1: Well, um, they were excited for it. Mm-hmm. And um, most of them just were constantly asking me questions and in fact i i would have them those who lived in the area would come to my house and i would field questions and i'd show them how i packed and uh packing was a big thing a lot of them were like you know what do we take how do we do this and that and so uh, i i used to be a teacher so that doesn't bother me to show people how to do things um one of the things that I said to my husband that excited me about this with first-time cruisers was, you know how when you've done something a number of times and you take a child to do it, and they have the fresh look and the, the new eyes, and it gets you sort of re-excited about the whole thing. That's how it was for me. Huh. Uh, I yeah. had all these new people coming on board, and I one of the reasons I picked the Independence was – the wow factor, the size of it, uh, and and it didn't fail me. Everyone was wild with the promenade, um, flow rider, rock climbing wall, uh, ice skating rink. So it was ice. exciting to to listen to them talk about what they did and how exciting it was for them. Uh, we had one seven year old boy uh, in the group. Uh, his his grandmother is one of my friends and uh, uh, he he was a real trooper he tried things in the dining room that I didn't think he'd try uh, <laughs> he went swimming with the dolphins and uh, he just he was a real trooper had a really good time good. so seeing things through his eyes too it's like wow it really wakes you up to um, what you've seen before
0: absolutely well that's wonderful Susan it sounds like you had a great time and this is the probably the most important question that anyone can ask you at this point what is your next Royal Caribbean cruise you've got planned
1: oh we booked the transatlantic harmony
0: wow nice
1: yes we've always wanted to do a transatlantic and we've always wanted to do a new ship and back in June somebody posted on one of the Facebook pages that the uh Harmony prices were really low, and I called my travel agent, and um, he he said, yeah, I can get it for you for this price, and I told my husband, he said, book it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll worry
1: about airfare when we get closer. <laughs> there
0: you go. I like that theory.
1: Yeah, so uh, we have that booked, and we're really excited about that because we've never done that um i've been to europe my husband hasn't so he's looking forward to that
0: awesome well susan it was a pleasure talking to you it sounds like you had a great time on board and and i'm hoping that this information can help some other folks that are maybe planning a back-to-back or something or they're going on independence of the seas whatever the case may be great stuff thank you again and uh look forward to hearing from you sometime in the future
1: okay matt thanks for having me on
0: Each week, I take your listener emails and we read them here. It's basically like you and I talking together, except it's mostly me talking, but it's your emails that I'm reading, and it's our, basically our chance to talk Royal Caribbean together. And of course, I invite all of you to send me your emails. If you've got questions, comments, maybe you've read something on the blog and you want to share with us, hey, I'd love to talk about it here as well, you can email me matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog. Com. All right, let's kick off this week's emails with an email from Phil the Lucia, who writes, Since Royal Caribbean is not offering dynamic dining on the Oasis-class ships, is the dining room big enough for all the passengers since they made it smaller and put it in more rooms? The answer to that, Phil, is yes. I have no doubt about that. A couple things you have to keep in mind. Number one, not everybody goes to dinner. In fact, I think I've noticed on a lot of recent cruises, in fact, a lot of empty tables. Not all, I mean, it's not like it's you know, half full or half empty, whatever the case may be. It's... There are some empty tables here and there. People go to specialty restaurants. Some people don't go to the main dining room at all. Some people go to, you know, they'll do my time dining. They will do, you know, the Winsham Air. And mean, there's a lot of different things that go on. But Some people just, you know, they, they just eat whenever they feel like it. So it's not really, I don't think, a, a, a realistically viable concern. Not to just put down your email or anything like that, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a problem. And certainly Royal Cream is definitely cognizant of that they have to, you know, at the end of the day, they've got to have the numbers add up on their side when they're planning all of this, when they assign people stuff, because obviously no one wants to show up to the main dining room and be like, oh, by the way, there's no tables available. Now, of course, my time dining does help a lot with that, right? Because my time dining allows them to stagger people around. And obviously there's a lot more opportunities where there's, where there's only, you know, two seatings for first and second seating in traditional dining my time dining you have the ability to have dinner from anywhere from what you know 5 five thirty all the way up till almost nine o'clock so plenty of opportunities there to turn over tables almost like a restaurant so good email though it's a good question and some certainly if you had a concern about going on the ship and anything like that i would not worry about that one bit next we have an email from paul westbrook from east brunswick new jersey matt i hope all is well Leaving our on Labadee, thanks so much for this tip on securing as soon as we board on the excursion desks. I watched a small team of workers scramble to clean it out, strip the covers, etc. I got to thinking there must be a ship that docks 80-90% of the days, please confirm. Also, just how well orchestrated the turnaround there is for new guests the very next day. I'd love to learn more about the details if you have a source. Your video link from the Seattle newspaper earlier this year about turning a ship around and Labadee got me thinking about all that Royal Caribbean turns around. I'd love to hear or learn more about them. Very interesting question, Paul. I'll give you that. So, a couple of things. How busy is Labadie? Well, it depends on the time of year. In uh, There's actually a website I should give full credit. Uh, it's called cruisett.com. It's, I don't know what they do, but they list port stops among other things. And you can see which ships are scheduled to be in which ports on what days. This is actually very helpful if you're looking for, you know, you're looking at your cruise and you're saying, oh, I'm going to be in St. Thomas on October 8th. What ships are going to be there as well besides me? And you can kind of see if it's going to be really busy or you're going to have the port to yourself. The thing is, it depends on the time of year. So in as an example, here's January 2015. In January 2015 is the middle of winter in North America. It also means there's a lot of Royal Caribbean ships over in the Western Hemisphere. So this is high season, essentially. And during January, there's only a handful of days, maybe 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, about 13 days or so, though there are no ships in Labadee. In fact, there are some days where you've got two ships in Labadee. Now on the flip side, if you go to, say, September 2015, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days out of the whole month in which there's a ship there. But that kind of makes sense. This is a lot of ships, a lot of Royal Caribbean ships, rather, are over in Europe or in Asia or in Alaska, uh, Panama Canal, whatever the case may be. They're not in the Caribbean, and so there's less capacity, less opportunities for ships to go there. So it kind of the answer to your first question is it depends, and <laughs> I think that's an answer to a lot of things I say on here, but. You know, it's not as much as 80-90% as you might think, although certainly during those winter months it can get pretty high. But the other times of the year when the season is not so busy, there's certainly less ships there. Now, the turnaround, you're absolutely right. I mean, Royal Caribbean has gotten its entire process like a well-oiled machine. I mean, they've got it down pat because for them... Literally, time is money. They've got to turn these things around. They've got to get the people off and doing the next thing possible because there's a couple of reasons. Obviously, number one, they want to make sure that the next guests that are scheduled to do something, whether it be use a stateroom on a ship, go to Labadee, whatever, they've got to be able to be ready to use it. No guest wants to hear, you know, I'm sorry, sir, madam, there's no, you know, we're still cleaning it up or so it takes more time. I mean, that's an inconvenience. That's a negative experience. That's not the wow experience Royal Caribbean is going for. In addition to that, a lot of crew members that Royal Caribbean employs do a lot of things. They're not just dedicated to one specific thing necessarily. A lot of times, crew members do duties in different areas of the ship, you know, to kind of fill up their day, right? Because some jobs are not full time jobs necessarily. So they've got to be able to, you know, work it all in their schedule. Obviously, some of them have need to make it back to the ship before it leaves. So there's quite a bit of that that goes into it, and you know, it's it's something that I think is a very much a under Certainly underappreciated but under-viewed experience of what rural Caribbean does, you gotta credit because this is this is not just luck, this is not just, you know, happenstance. This is really what they're doing. they they plan this efficiently to make sure that what they're doing is they're not being wasteful in terms of time and energies, and that way that and that all really leads to a really great positive guest experience. Next we have an email from Michael Vital who writes, like any other blue-blooded American, I'm a sports nut. The one thing I was kinda of disappointed by on Navigator last year was that they didn't show any football on the pool screen. Certainly, they realized that a sailing out of Galveston is predominantly Americans and that the first week of September is the first weekend of the NFL season. After reading that the World Cup matches were shown on the giant screen at the pool, I was sure they would show the NFL game traditionally on Thursday night, the week of my cruise. Can you imagine the boisterous, fun crowd that would gather for such a memorable way to watch the first game of the season? I'm aware that they show movies in the evening, but I think that that could be a special event that a lot of people would enjoy. I can imagine the selfies and videos being sent back home with the caption, Here's how we watch the game. Like I said, I was so sure they would show it that I never even thought to suggest or request it to guest services beforehand. This year, I surely will. What do you think? You know, honestly, Michael, I'm so surprised as you are. Uh, I'm really surprised, in fact... I could have sworn, and I was trying to look for it really quickly, but I couldn't find it. I thought I had found a cruise compass that listed, in fact, it, I don't, it wasn't obviously from Navigator, it was from a different ship, but one that I had posted recently on realcaribbeanblog.com that had listed an NFL game on, on the screen over there. So I'm really surprised. I would, and again, my recommendation is if, you're, if there's a sporting event that you're interested in, regardless of what nationality you are or whatever, go ask about it. I mean, you never know. And certainly there may be a situation where it may not be being broadcast on, say, the entire, you know, Royal Caribbean TV network, but maybe there's a particular bar that has it or Uh whatever the case may be. I'm not sure, but I am surprised by that, Michael, and, yeah, next time I guess you got to ask for it. You know, the thing is I I think I've always aspired to do something like that, and I'm always busy with something else that I forget the game is actually on because who knows? I'm I'm enjoying the ice skating show or I'm in the casino, probably more likely, and, you know, time just flies when you're over there, so... (laughs) Well, anyway, good luck next time, Michael. I'm sorry to hear that it didn't work out on this one. Speaking of Galveston, we have another email about it, and it's from our friend Rob. As usual, you're doing a fantastic job with the blog. The last time we spoke, I mentioned that our next cruise would be Alaska. However, things have changed since then. Our friends asked us to go with them on a Western Caribbean cruise leaving out of Port Galveston. Initially, we didn't want to go because it was on Liberty of the Seas, and as you know, our last cruise was on Liberty. But we were interested in all the new ports the itinerary. The deal breaker was when you posted the water slides that are going to be installed in Liberty during its dry dock in January. So we changed our plans and locked in May 29th, 2016, Liberty disease the Seas out of Galveston. Hoo-hoo! <laughs> Here's my question. I heard that Port Galveston is really far from Houston, and it's not the most interesting port. As you can tell from our last cruise, we definitely like to take advantage of the departing the city as one of the destinations of our cruise trip. With that said, what do you recommend as the best method to get to Port Galveston after arriving in Houston? And do you recommend staying overnight in Galveston or staying in Houston and taking a shuttle to Galveston. I'm hoping you have some info or experience to share. I'm not finding too many positive information about Galveston from other travelers so far. I'll probably have some other questions as the cruise gets closer. So, Rob, this is an interesting question, something that has definitely come up quite a bit. I've experienced this myself and I can tell you that the problem with Galveston is not the port. The problem is getting to the port. And essentially, the problem is that there's no easy, simple, and inexpensive way to get from Houston to the port. Now, keep in mind a couple things. There are two airports in Houston. One is uh, Houston International and then there's Houston Hobby. And essentially, most airlines fly into Houston International, which is further away from from Galveston than the Houston Hobby Airport. Is I believe Southwest Airlines is the only one that actually does, or the major airline that flies into Houston Hobby. So keep that in mind. The Houston Hobby one is a little bit closer. It's, I think it's on the other side of Houston that's closer to Galveston, so you have a little bit of less of a drive. Uh, I'm going to post a link in our show notes, Rob, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, an article we wrote about, actually it was a guest post that we had, about what to do in terms of getting from Houston to Galveston. The short answer is, spoiler alert, there's not an easy answer. It's just expensive. Unfortunately, the rental car agencies do not really invest heavily in there. I'm not sure what's going on there. It's just not as easy as other ports to, for whatever reason. So you're going to have to probably spend a little bit of money there. I do recommend, though, getting to Galveston the night before. There's a number of reasons for that. And this is true of every port. I always like to get there early. Galveston is a really nice city once you're in there. It reminds me a lot of some of the cities in Florida on A1A on the Atlantic coast. It's it's very much a beach town. There's some great restaurants there. If you're there during the warm months of the year, you're going to have some nice swimming opportunities. And you're going in May. So, hey, it sounds like it'll probably be plenty warm there in, in Texas. So you might have some good, great beaches, in fact, to check out. Uh, you know, it, it, there's there's a lot to consider there, and it's it's a really nice town. The problem is just getting there. The other thing is, and you may have heard us already talk about this on the podcast before in other episodes, is the customs in Galveston, especially on disembarkation, is notoriously bad. Like, you know, it's gonna take you much longer than you've ever experienced, and I'm no one's sure why it's just in Galveston. There's plenty of theories, but whatever the case may be, just be prepared. And Galveston is definitely one port I always recommend using porters for because it's just going to make your life so much easier. So hopefully that'll help you out there. And check out that blog post there, Rob. I think it's going to be uh, really helpful for you for understanding kind of the ins and outs of getting in and out of Galveston. And our last email today is coming from Justin Nelson, your show me state cruising brother. <laughs> love that, Justin. I'm sitting here listening to your 100th episode as the anticipation for our second Navigator of the Sea Sailing September bubbles away. We took our first cruise ever last year on Navigator, and I was hooked at the sail away party while dancing with my wife on the pool deck as the reggae band played. My wife had been asking me for years to go on a cruise and had visions of Love Boat dance in my head. Needless to say, I was not thrilled with the idea as I knew I would be bored out of my beautiful bald head. My thoughts were always ones of What is there to do on a cruise ship with other than commit one of the seven deadly sins, gluttony, and get a George Hamilton-like tan? Well, the Navigator is not your mother's cruise ship. It was an amazing ship. Every morning we woke up to the sun shining through the floor to ceiling, wall-to-wall glass window, and the sky's the limit was the agenda of each day. I'm now a believer, a convert, an ambassador for cruising. I am taking friends and family this time because they had to see why I am so crazy about cruising. This week, after our cruise, we opened up our cruise savings account and acquired a Royal Caribbean credit card. Royal Caribbean had me at hello. Your podcasts are fantastic, and your balanced approach to the discussions is much appreciated. We look forward to hearing more from you, Justin. Great email, and you know what? I am glad that you've come around to our line of thinking. Welcome to the dark side, brother. <laughs> it's wonderful. I mean, just you know, cruising is a really unfortunately it's something that not a lot of people have appreciated or really explored. I think a lot of people have unfortunately a lot of negative assumptions about cruising and it's just look it's just the way it is and that's probably true of a lot of things in life it's not just cruising but i think when a lot of people like yourself get a chance to try it and see it i think they really get why so many of us like me and you and susan (laughs) are so obsessed with it it's a lot of fun it's a great time and i really feel like cruising offers something for everybody and certainly cruising with royal caribbean is something that we really enjoy and i'm so glad to hear not only are you, did you love it, you're going back on it again. Navigator this is my favorite cruise ship. Man, I am jealous Justin, but I think you're going to have a great time on there. Please let me know, Justin, by the way, how your second cruise uh, kind of stacked up there and what you really enjoyed about the ship. I hope the answer is Sabor, modern Mexican. <laughs> but everything else, I'm really also interested in, in hearing about what you really found uh, cool on there. So send us an email, Justin. We'd love to hear more from you. And thank you to everyone else for these emails. And I hope to hear from you as well because I love talking Royal Caribbean each and every week with all of you. So please send me your thoughts, comments, questions, whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean. Maybe you just want to say hello. I love those emails too because after all, we're 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 all friends here. I consider each and every one of you my friend. We're almost we're basically family, and we talk every week. And we it just it's about Royal Caribbean instead of Aunt Bertha and <laughs> I don't know I don't know where I'm going with that, but you know what I get, you know what I mean. This is about having a great time, and I'm so lucky to have each and every one of you be a part of this podcast each and every week. So thank you all so much. Have a great week. And so until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.